On the telephone with me right now is an old friend, uh, Mikkel Becker. Mikkel is a renowned, world-renowned dog trainer, speaks at veterinary meetings, dog training meetings, animal behavior meetings. But there she was at an event for domestic violence, and we're sitting around this sort of roundtable discussion, cameras pointed toward us. It was in New York City. Some big announcements made locally in New York City, good things, regarding uh, domestic violence and substantial things that that they're not only intended to do but have since done, which is all great. And I thought Mikkel was there to talk about, and it's true, the link between violence to animals and violence to humans and the fact that the abused will not leave. Victims won't leave unless there is somewhere to take the pet. But, Mikkel, you spoke about much more than that. Good afternoon and welcome to WGN. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, such a blessing to be with you. And, yeah, I just love you so much. You're such a good friend. Well, you know, I feel the same. Uh, and when you said, oh, I want to take this public, I was surprised because it's a courageous thing to do. And we'll talk about why. And by the way, our phone number, if you have questions or, or text, 312-981-7200. But what did you talk about on that day? It was your personal experience. You know, I when I went there, too, I, I didn't expect to open up the way that I did. I thought I was there as a professional, and it really got super personal because I I always felt like domestic abuse in my mind was always the, the person that, you know, was being physically hit and pushed down the stairs or these crazy things. And what I came to realize is I was hearing other survivor stories right there at, at Europe House, this domestic violence shelter. I was realizing all the more like this validation that what I what I had gone through personally in this marriage and actually what I was going through in my, my relationship at the time currently in the second relationship, I was like, God, this is, this actually is abuse. And so my uh, first husband, I, I refer to him as Baltimore, <laughs> uh, but he, <laughs> for many reasons, but he, he, you know, it, the, the time that I realized like this person, because they can be this Prince Charming and, and just make themselves seem just like this white knight and, shining armor comes in on that white horse. And I, I believe that about him. And even when he was bad or would do these bad things, he could always excuse it. So I would always doubt myself. But the, the time that really was a turning point for me was when I was just in the bathroom getting ready and I heard the scream from my dog, a screaming yelp. And I'd never heard this before, just sheer terror. And I ran into the other room and I, I saw Voldemort perched over top of my pug Bruce, and he had his fist up and looked like he was ready to punch. And he had wow. he had already punched my dog. I found out later, hmm. and so that that was a you know there's no going back from that. But I still tried to make it work through counseling, and and you still can, it's so hard to get out of relationships like that. And so I realized, like you know, I I don't want, and that's why I, I feel like I want to speak now is I don't want people to feel like they're alone in these bad relationships or to feel like you are it's you are the cause because people like that will make you feel like it's you. It's only you. And even get you to doubt your own belief that this is abuse because it'll make you think that there's something wrong with you in your own perception. There's lots of data out there to indicate that uh, domestic violence sometimes begins with the pet in the family. 
The pets are also mm-hmm. used as control. So if you don't do this, I am going to then do this to the animal. Uh, what's more, children are often victims as well. And the presumption is children and also family pets are uh, defenseless uh, and and therefore are easy victims to be. That's the data you seem to indicate that was your experience, too. How about your daughter? Mm-hmm. Yes. So for sure, like for, for me, like after, after that, I mean, there's this, this inherent fear, you know, but my pug Bruce literally went partially blind in his eye and hmm. uh, Voldemort, you know, had this excuse and they will always have excuses for why it happened and that you are going to be the one that's going to help them to overcome this. And, you know, it, of course that, that crazy, the cycle where they get so much better and it can last for a while, but that the real person is always going to come back. And, so for me, when I finally realized, like, there is no going back from this relationship, there's no no making this work, I, I was really kept in that relationship for much longer than I should have been for two reasons. One being that fear of what was going to happen to my daughter when I wasn't around to supervise and, and to really, you know, be that mediator in between. And, and then also what was going to happen to one of our two dogs, because we had two dogs and one was, was mainly his, one was mainly mine, and the one that was mainly his, Bruce was the one that he had punched. And so I, I stayed literally much, much longer, months and months longer because of my pug. And I didn't want to risk what was going to happen to him. And the same thing with my daughter. In retrospect, do you wish that you had left earlier? Oh, absolutely. I wish I would have called the police. I wish I would have filed a report and done it in a safe way. Now that I know how those people can be, I, I think it's you know, that, that when you're leaving is actually the most dangerous time. So a lot of women, they think, okay, why, why didn't you just leave? Well, part of the reason why we don't just leave is because there is this inherent fear of, of that person and what they can do. And, and they can. It can turn so fast. So I, I wish that I would have filed reports and would have gone to a safe place away from him and, and kind of taken action from there. I think that that documentation would have been really important. You know, it's so hard with people like him because – they can just pull the wool over people's eyes. It's like, you know, the um, the Wizard and the Wizard of Oz, you know, behind the Great Curtain, like they just seem so great, and so powerful. And they, they present themselves as someone entirely different than who they really are. Not many people get to see that mask uh, taken away and get to see that real insidious person underneath. And for those that do, you know it, but they can be so manipulative that it's almost scary sometimes going up against them. Hmm. So I happen to know, as you know, I I know your family very well. Uh, Did your mom and dad have any idea that this was going on? They could see certain things. Like, so at the time, I I ended up being pregnant because after the time with the dog, he had, had supposedly turned his whole life around. And, you know, I said, if you ever so much as touch the dog again, like, you know, immediately I'm leaving, going to the cops. So he didn't, to my knowledge, ever hurt the dog again, but that abuse went on in other ways. And so when I was pregnant, my parents would see things like where I would be just literally abandoned. Like I, I went to all the parenting classes by myself, the birthing classes, like my. I was next to bed rest and he would be out partying all night and not come home until early in the morning. And, uh, and I literally wouldn't hear from him for days. Um, and so, yeah, my parents saw that. They saw things like, I think for them, the time that's probably the most heartbreaking for them that they talk about was when they, because at the time I was living with them part of the time, trying to work it out with him in counseling, but we went to the 
the merit or we went to the the time where you have the the gender reveal during the ultrasound and he wanted a little boy and so when we found out that it was going to be a girl he just immediately is like it's a dyke which is horrible and um and just yelled that out and just was like infuriated so mad and i was just like oh my god like just so hurt just so hurt and my family was so hurt and that for them was like there is no going back from that because he, you know, he could still work his charming ways. But after that, like they saw just how self-absorbed he was. And rather than caring about me and wh- where I was at, because I was literally, I had to be pushed in a wheelchair because I was on next to bed rest at that point in time because of all these complications. And, you know, he didn't even once ask how I was doing, if I was doing okay. It was all about him, his haircut, and then his disappointment that our daughter ended up being a girl and wasn't the boy that he had dreamed of. Wow. So here is my question you're one of the sweetest people I've met on the planet. How can how can you continue to be with a guy like that? Thanks, Steve. Well, I I think that the, those the people that are empathetic, the people that are compassionate, those are the perfect people for predators like him because they pick those people who have these high moral standards, the people that want to help others. So they they prey upon that and they end up using that innocence and that goodness against you. So. They will say things like, you know, I'll never find another person. Like, you're all that I have. You're my only family. And, you know, they will use that part of you that is forgiving and compassionate and caring. And, you know, for for me, with him, he had admitted later that he had changed his whole personality, everything on Facebook to become exactly what I wanted. And then later, I realized that was never even really him to begin with. But I had fallen in love with someone who wasn't even that that person and so they they can like shape shift they are chameleons and they become who you who they believe that you want them to be and what you need in that moment and then later the rug is pulled out from under you and you're kind of stuck like even stuck in the way of like you know morals like thinking for that person is that shame that embarrassment of oh my god i can't believe i got myself into this and also that part of you that's like I want to stick it out. I don't believe in divorce. And, you know, all of these, these crazy things that we, that make us stay so much longer than we should have. And, and yeah, using that compassion against you because then they'll, they'll have these pity parties that, Oh, poor me. And I'm so sad. I'm nothing without you. And also these threats of, you know, taking their own life a lot of times, because if you aren't going to be with them, then they don't even want to be around anymore. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. We're talking about domestic violence. Mikkel Becker is our guest. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800-799-7233. Mikkel, you said that your former husband now, uh, one of the reasons why you might not have left, and it is about control, and one thing that these people sometimes do is say, I'm going to take my own life if you report me or if you leave. You hinted that was the case, was it? Yes, definitely. And it would be through things like, I'm nothing, it would be these veiled kind of threats almost, like, I can't go on living without you, I will, I'm nothing without you. In the, the second abusive relationship, it was all out, like, I, I will take my own life. Like, and, and blaming it upon me, that your, your face, seeing you every day, seeing how unhappy you are, you make me want to do this. This is the only thing keeping me here. And yeah, so and and it was funny. I mean, funny in hindsight, but you know, it's they will use even that piece of of you that cares for this person to keep you around, so that we you can help protect them. But you know, the the Voldemort who said I was, you know, he was nothing without me, couldn't even go on living. 
he two weeks after I left, he was already living with somebody else. So I think he got on pretty well, and <laughs> that was a big relief <laughs> was to it? Have, have him gone somewhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and thank God, I mean it's truly a miracle. I ended up getting back the second dog, Bruce. So I had both Bruce and Willie, the pugs, best friends, and. Oh, God, I, I, that was the greatest thing. I mean, more than I, I could care less about the financial things. All I really wanted was my, my daughter as much as I could have her and then the two dogs. And so, thankfully, I got, I got most of that. All right. So, what the one text question we have uh, from 708 is simply this, and I, I understand the question. How can you love a guy like that? Well, you can love a guy like that because they they trick you into falling in love with them. So the person that they are, so that person that he became, or, or that the, I thought I, was him. Yeah, but I understand what they're asking, I think. That may be at the very beginning when you got married and things were, but as you saw, as you say, who he really is, then how can you still continue to love that guy? Because you start, you get to this point where you get so gaslighted because you start to think that it's you, that you are the problem, it's not them. And so it's being constantly warped. So you start to doubt yourself. You start to doubt your own feelings and beliefs in these situations, even for the strongest people. Like I, you know, I, I am a very confident person in so many ways, but you just get worn down over time and start to doubt this part. And, and also it's this intermittent schedule of reinforcement. So it's this unpredictable unpredictability of when you're going to get those rewards. And when you get those rewards from that person, it's so good and so intoxicating. And there is a study that looks at, at rats that get continuous reinforcement of, of cocaine when they press this lever versus a rat that will press the lever and only one, every once in a while will he get that cocaine. Well, that, that rat who has an intermittent schedule of reinforcement who only gets that reward every once in a while he is the one that becomes ultimately most addicted to his own detriment, where he actually stops eating, drinking, sleeping, these normal functions. And I think that's the same thing in these relationships where you get so addicted and so thrown off kilter in all of these ways. And, and it, it becomes about trying to make that person happy, trying to get back to that good place. And that's what happens. You will get back to that good place and you think, okay, now it's going to be okay. And then ever so slowly it starts to erode. And then that whole cycle starts again once you have that episode that violent episode that abusive episode then it will start again go back to that love bombing and you think that that person is the real person that person that does love bomb that person that you first fell in love with but ultimately you realize that was never even them in the first place that's all false that's that that wizard (laughs) the person behind the curtain you know that little tiny man that that's who they were but they made made you think it was somebody entirely different and so i think once you're able to get out only once you realize that that person that you thought that you loved, that you could get back to that place when you realize that that was just false altogether. But it, it can take a while. So are you the rat in this scenario? I would say that I was that rat at times, like where I wanted that. Because when in those relationships, and even other guys that I've dated since who had abusive relationships with other women, they would say, like, there, it's, there's nothing like that high when you're with someone who is toxic who is abusive and you don't even realize that they're like that until it takes it can take years sometimes for those things Mm. to come out and so you don't realize it and it's these high highs so it's an addiction just like gambling it's you know you're playing blackjack you don't know what kind of cards you're going to be dealt same type of high that same type of addiction and now i have a very 
predictable, wonderful, steady relationship with a boyfriend who I really love. But one thing I've had to learn and relearn is to be okay with things feeling good and things feeling boring because sometimes it can feel you know, boring because if you get addicted to those, those crazy relationships where it's this crazy high because they make you feel like you are just everything to them and you are so love-bombed, it's all about you, and they actually become just exactly like you and like what you want. But that's not reality. That's not a real relationship. And so now that I've known that that real love that I can have with a man and a different steady love, I can recognize the other is completely false and just this illusion. And I don't ever want that. So I know those warning signs now and that addictive part of me. But I think we can be addicted to all kinds of things in life. It doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol. It can also be this this feeling of love from people that are toxic and we, we may not even realize it. Well, speaking of that, what you did mention is that, okay, we talked about Voldemort. Is that what you said? The first dude? Yeah, Voldemort. Mm-hmm, like uh-huh. Harry Potter. <laughs> I understand. And then uh, then then it happened again. So you, you left, yes. you took the two dogs, you took your daughter, but then what happened? It happened all over again? Yes, yes. I call him Kylo Ren. <laughs> and... <laughs> And with with him, you know, he seemed so different. He seemed very different from the first man. And I think once you've gone through a bad relationship, you almost like subconsciously are waiting to meet that person who's going to make all those wrongs right for you. And so it's like, God, I had such a bad situation. Like, and and again, it was a whirlwind romance for me. Both both relationships, I was married within three months. Which hmm. for my parents, it worked out. Like they had a great a great relationship. They they got together really soon, and so I thought that was okay. And now I realize I'm going to date whoever I date for a long period of time because yeah, Kyla Ren definitely pulled the wool over my eyes in that relationship. And once I was in there, I I felt kind of stuck for a little bit. All right, so that's another thing. Uh, your parents. They once they got together, that was it. They knew it, and they've been together. I think for forty, one hundred and forty-five years now. Is that it? <laughs> I think so. They've been together for a very long time, and uh, they're friends of mine. I, I believe they're very, very happy and very mm-hmm. well suited and supportive of one another. Do you did at one point in time, or maybe even that point in time is right now? Did you or do you think? Well, I'm never going to get that. I, I felt like I had that in both of those relationships. So with Voldemort and with Kylo Ren, when I met them, I was like, God, this is this is that soulmate. This is that that fairy book romance that my parents had. Like this is that person. But then yeah, once I was in it and I realized like, oh man, like this is this is rough and you know, I just felt like I I didn't feel about okay, maybe maybe other people deserve that and this is kind of like, you know, I just have to make the the best of it, deal with it and so I just learned to put up with it. And I kind of quit believing in myself and believing in my own worth and value and doubting myself so much that I, yeah, I, I would say that I, I didn't think that I was maybe um, deserving because I'd been broken down into this like kind of shell of a person at that time. So a couple questions and we only have like 20 seconds here uh, from texters wanting to know if your daughter is okay. And if your current dogs, whoever they may be are okay. And if you're generally okay with life. Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for those questions. I am so happy. My daughter is doing really well. She still does have to see that person, um, Voldemort. And it's one of those things where we're trying to make it work the best we can and protecting her the best that we can. And 
So um, unfortunately, that still is is going on. But um, thankfully, she is 13, so she's getting a little bit older and can talk about that more. My my current dogs are doing really well, so loved, and my my two pugs who came out of those abusive relationships are doing really well. And actually, the the dog I have now, Indiana Bones, he is uh-huh. the primary primary reason why I got out of that relationship with Kyla Ren. I it was it's near the dog situation with him, and I chose my dog, and no regrets ever with Perfect. that. Mikkel Becker, great to talk to you, and thank you very, very much for your honesty. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. She is amazing and courageous as well. The phone number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 800-799-7233.